Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast of the Carolinas by way of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is the moment sports betting fans around the world have been waiting for. It's time! Introducing the Fistful of Cash Podcast! What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? We are back. Newest episode of the Fistful of Cash Podcast covering UFC 238. As always, I'm your host, Dale Lippin, in here with the co-hosts of all co-hosts, the co-hosts with the mostest, the co-hostess of the mostest, my brother, Soup. What's up, man? Nothing. I uh, took last week off, but I'm back. Um, I I know we had the boxing match this weekend, which I'm sure we're going to touch on. Anthony Joshua's debacle, um, but... I also I didn't even touch on this with you, the like rushing yards leaders, uh, receiving yards leaders, rookie of the year, offensive and defense MV, MVP odds. Those all came out. So, oh, uh, I want to throw some at you here at some point during the episode and see where your head's at. Okay, but all right. Well, you you mentioned it, so let's get on it. The Anthony Joshua, uh, you know, debacle is a good word, um, but. You know, we've said it before, and it's far from a hot take. Uh, Anytime you have two grown men, especially heavyweights, that are playing punch face, anything can happen. And, you know, I I just – what are your thoughts on this, on on Ruiz? What are your thoughts on Joshua? I mean, what are you thinking here? I think Teddy Atlas put it perfect, honestly, man. He – first thing he pointed out was he pointed at the picture of Anthony Joshua, and he said, you know why – he lost this fight because he made too much money. Yeah. And I think, dude, I think it's spot on. I think Anthony Joshua overlooked him. Uh, yep. step, you know, Ruiz stepped in on late notice. And I think Anthony Joshua looked at him at weigh-ins and saw him have the suck in his belly at weigh-ins. Yep. And just thought, I'm going to walk through this guy. And uh, listen, that's a big boy. He's got some heavy hands. And Joshua got hit early and just never got his legs back. And I think... I think he looked so far past him that when he actually did get rocked a little bit, I, I I don't think he was mentally able to regain any sort of confidence or any. It, it was just, it, it's great to see, honestly. I mean, it's the biggest upset since Buster Douglas over Mike Tyson. So it, it, it was it's awesome to see. It really was. You know, it was one of those things, and far be it for me to critique a fighter on technique and stuff like that, but one of the things that I've always had an issue with Anthony Joshua, and this is not me throwing fuel on the fire because I think he's an incredibly talented fighter. He's very stiff. Um, he's very muscle bound and he doesn't, he's not very fluid. Um, so for a big boy, Ruiz moves really well. He's got good side to side movement. He's very, while be it unorthodox, I mean, he's not, you know, uh, he can he can hit you from different angles where Joshua comes at you and he's so fundamentally sound man that he's almost uncreative in a way you know what i mean so if you can if you can combat the fundamentals and do it really well you've got a good shot against him because he's very just a guy that it's almost like he boxes like chicks play basketball he's like this is what the coach says to do this is how i'm going to do it this is how i'm always going to execute so if you can find ways around that and get him to fight an unorthodox fight, or in this case, hurt him early so he can't fall back on his bread and butter, it's a good. I mean, it's a good way to get a W. I don't think that. Um, I don't necessarily think it's the last we'll see of him. However, if I was him, it would be. You've made hundreds of millions of dollars. You're what twenty five, good looking, well spoken. Roll out, my man. Roll out. I'm, I'm, and I'm just saying that from a position of, you've already been world champ, you know what I mean. So what are you going to do? You're going to you're going to win world champ, uh, win another world championship. Right. I, I honestly thought he looked relieved after the fight. Like, yeah, I mean it's it's almost like the weight of the world was lifted off his shoulders. Like, yeah, the pressure of the first loss is now gone because 
it's done with it's it's done and over there's no going back and changing it and yeah it's like i i agree i could see it i just you know the pictures that he was taking in the ring after the fact with ruiz and he just he looked that smile was not like i just beat and i'm smiling for the cameras it looked like dude this is the first time i'm gonna sleep well in a while you know what i mean like that that that, yeah. that dude looked relieved bro and maybe I'm wrong, you know, maybe maybe it's because he just got punched in the head. I could be 100% wrong about this. What I did not agree with was Deontay Wilder's assessment after the fight. Um, him getting all wild and crazy on Twitter saying that, you know, Joshua was never a real champ, this, that, and the other. Um, Deontay Wilder acts as if Ortiz wasn't beating him until he, you know, caught Ortiz and knocked him out and acts like he actually legitimately won that fight against Fury and wasn't gifted a draw. You yeah. know, that's the but, kind of stuff that bugs like that, that bugs me a little bit. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, I am a Deontay Wilder fan. I like his arrogance. I think it's I think it's entertaining. I want to see him and Fury again now that they've seen each other. I wonder if Deontay Wilder takes a different approach. Um, if If they do fight again and, you know, if the fight goes the same way, he just needs to shut his mouth and just never talk. Like, there's, right. there's nothing he can say about anybody else if you're going to flat out get beaten by the same guy twice. Well, it's it's and announced. It's announced. Yeah. It's just they haven't set a date for it yet. Right. But well, I just it's it's the fight world. We you and I both know until yeah, they're know. standing, you know, ten feet apart. I don't believe it's going to happen. It's a valid point. Like this right. Anthony Pettis Diaz fight. Uh, yeah. So I was gonna, that's good. You bring that Oof. up. But here, here's one that I'm, I'm going to be anxious to see if it actually comes to fruition. They just announced today Poirier versus Khabib in, what is it, Abu Dhabi? Where Abu are they Dhabi. doing? Yeah. Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Do, do you think, first of all, if you're Dustin Poirier, are you mad about that? Because you're putting, you know, that's about as close to enemy territory as you're ever going to get with Khabib. Um, you're putting him basically at the Muslim epicenter of the world. Uh, f- for lack of a better way to put it. And, you know, you're going from Louisiana to Abu Dhabi to fight a guy that's a certified killer um, to unify, you know, what your interim shot is at a belt. I, I mean, do you, do you feel like that's an unfair advantage towards Khabib, or what do you think? I, th- I think the advantage is definitely Khabib's corner, but Dustin Poirier strikes me as the kind of guy that doesn't give a shit. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he cares. I think. I think he would almost rather fight in Abu Dhabi than in Las Vegas because he's got the mindset that he's going to win this fight regardless of where it's at. So why not beat him? Yeah, you know, outside of Vegas, in front of his family and his own people. But you know what I mean. That's just. And I. I, I mean, when I saw that there was an Abu Dhabi card, you you knew Khabib was going to be on it. Like it had, you know, he had to headline that card. Right. He was aiming for a September comeback. It was just whether or not it was going to be Poirier, Tony Ferguson, but Tony Ferguson has to beat Cerrone in order for that to happen, or Conor McGregor. And I think for the welfare and the safety of Conor McGregor, he cannot take that fight. I, well, you can't. I'm, you can't yeah. put him against Khabib in that crowd. You can't. Plus, he doesn't deserve it either. I mean, but oh, that's, yeah, that, absolutely that, right. But um. You know, it's one of those things too. But the one thing about being on Abu Dhabi is you're not going to be able to get, get a good pork chop there. But where you can get a good pork chop is when you come to my house for Fourth of July. Because yeah, you know what I'm, you know, you know what I got, meat. you know what I got in the freezer, baby. I got some of them stay classy meat, center cut loin chops. Man, they're absolutely fantastic, guys. Some of you have already taken advantage of the code. And we appreciate that. I want to continue to encourage you to do so. Use promo code FIST for ten percent off. FIST at Stay Classy Meats, ten percent off. Anyway, so. The thing is with this, dude, is that taking this fight in Abu Dhabi, Poirier is one of the few dudes that I think, you know how I feel about when fighters have kids. Poirier and Cowboy, which we're going to talk about here later on, are two of the only fighters that I've seen that have gotten better after they've had kids. Normally, the introduction of a kid, uh, you know, sort of softens a guy up. But two, the, the, these two gentlemen, and in particular Dustin Poirier, his family, you know, uh, growing has seemed to take him to another level. And I'm almost got myself convinced of the fact that him having that belt 
albeit an interim championship, around his waist, we might see a new iteration of him that hasn't been seen before because he looked amazing against Holloway. And people were saying that Max might be one of the people that can give Khabib trouble. If people are saying that Max can give Khabib trouble and Poirier looked the way he did against Max, I think that this fight against Khabib might be closer than people are going to make it out to be. Yeah, I think what are the the current odds on it? I saw them earlier. They were real. I want to say Khabib was like a minus 280 and Poirier was coming in at like a plus 190 or something like that, which I honestly I thought I thought the odds would be more and Khabib like I thought Khabib would be more like a minus 350, minus 400. But with the layoff and with Poirier's performance against Holloway, I it's hard to argue him losing this fight. Honestly, it is. Right. It's gonna. I mean, it's obviously. It's gonna come down to waiting to see them at weigh-ins and seeing Khabib and seeing you know, because you you could tell when a guy's focused. And I I I told you this earlier. I think this is gonna be his. I'm gonna come back pissed off at myself, at Connor, at the UFC. I would not want to fight Khabib his first his first fight back. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, it, it can definitely work that way. I mean, it could definitely, um, you know, could definitely be one of those things that come to fruition. I'm looking for odds here on it, and I can't find it, but I'm seeing a fight here listed that I I don't remember seeing announced, and that's Zabit versus Brian Ortega. Zabit versus we, Brian Ortega. Yeah, on 727 at the uh Rogers place in Edmonton, Alberta, the car that's being headlined by Max Holloway, Frankie Edgar. They have it listed as a fight for that card. Um Zabit versus Brian Ortega. Zabit a minus one ninety favorite uh against Brian Ortega plus one fifty five. Goodness great. Zabit's almost a minus two hundred. Yeah. How do, I don't know how I missed this announcement. This was announced back in the beginning of May. I'm looking at it right now. I don't know how. Yeah. Wow. I feel stupid for missing oh, that. I, f- I mean, I guess you're going off Ortega's performance against Holloway. I, I hmm. <laughs> that's that, tough. That's, that might be it. That might be that's a play. A, that's a pick in my mind, man. Yeah, I know, right? Like, what's the beat coming off a win against Jeremy Stevens? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. A guy who just fought Max Holloway versus a guy who just fought Jeremy Steve. Oh boy. That's interesting. That line should definitely move between now and then and get a little bit closer. I'd be shocked. Oh. Listen, if it starts going the other way, then I'm jumping all over Ortega. I'm oh, jumping yeah, just, all over. Just just let it rise. Just let it keep going and then yep. hit Ortega right before the fight. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's uh that's interesting. Yeah, that's I I don't know how we I don't know how I missed that, man. I don't know. That's weird. All right. Um, you touched on it briefly just just because we haven't talked about it. Pettis versus Diaz. Um, it, you know, my initial reaction is, is, is this a fight to even care about? And do you think it actually happens? Is it a fight to care about? Yes, because I, I – Anthony Pettis has been on absolute fire his last three fights. Even in the Tony Ferguson loss – he looked really, really good. Yeah. He had, you know, he had Ferguson where he wanted him early in that fight. Um, and I, you know, we, we share a mutual hatred for the Diaz brothers. So <laughs> half of our, half of our listeners just left. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's, that's a real, that's a true shame. Um, I care about it. I don't know if it has any impact on, you know, the actual belt or division rankings at right. all. I mean, these are both middle middle of the road guys. Anthony Pettis, yes, he looks good, but he's also at the end of his career. Diaz hasn't fought in three years. I've already bet Anthony Pettis. Yeah. Um, he's a minus one twenty five right now, and I love that. I when I saw it, I was like, dude, I'm going to get on it now before people start betting. Pettis and it goes up to like a minus 160 or something. I love it at minus 125 right now. Yeah. Do I think it happens? Uh, Diaz is probably going to screw this up somehow, some way. I would not be surprised if he screws this up. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, he was, uh, Ariel Hawani just interviewed him yesterday and he was already running his mouth 
about why he hasn't fought in three years because nobody shows him love and the UFC doesn't like it. Just it's it's pity me, pity me, and I'm waiting for him to screw this up. But I hope it happens, and I hope Anthony Pettis sleeps him, and I hope it's not a quick one. I hope it is three rounds of just beating him down, and then at the end of the third round, just puts him to sleep. See, I don't even I, what I honestly with the way I envision this fight going is against is the way Pettis fought Lozon in uh, Japan, where he hit him with that switch kick first thing. And just put him on straight night night, like just like hit him with a yeah. hit him with a headshot of Nyquil, um, is you know something that I could see um, happening as well. You know, I, let's talk about this. Let's one more thing. Let's go over before we get in. Um, Alexander Gustafson and Jimmy Manawa and Nick Hine all retiring after UFC thought. Oh, and well, King Mo retired. And, I don't know yeah, if you I did saw see that. that too. Yeah, uh, and King Mo all retiring. All four retiring. Nick Hine, uh, you know, just a just a perennial prelim guy, uh, but was always in entertaining fights and usually a good bet to on you know something to take to decision if you wanted the over under on rounds. Um, Jimmy Manoa, you know, I you know the play was you know not him uh, and under one and a half and both of those things came to fruition although i thought he'd go to bellator after the fact but instead he said that he's done uh, did you see him getting knocked out by rockage oh yeah that, that's yes. that's a scary knockout that's yeah. one of the ones that you hope the guy's okay at the end like brain swelling seems like a real probability after a kick like that and then uh gustafson calling it a career man what do you, what what, do you, what are your thoughts on that because I mean, he said he doesn't want to be a gatekeeper. Um, you know, he alluded to the injury in the John Jones fight uh, being pretty serious. You know, what, what's what's the deal uh, or what's your takeaway with Gustafson retiring at this point? I can't blame him. Um, I think if John Jones wouldn't have come back, I don't know if Alexander Gustafson would have retired because I think that he could still see himself being the champ. But after, I don't know, it's tough, man, because there's a lot of talent in the light heavyweight division now. Like, it, listen, Anthony Smith's no joke. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And I felt I felt like Gustafson was fighting his fight right. until the third round. Or until the, I guess the fourth, the fourth round, actually, round, yeah. until the fourth round, where it was like it's, it was, it's almost like his gas tank ran out, and Anthony Smith still had a you know just enough left. And I mean, when you take when you drop four out of your last six fights, um, granted it was to Rumble, Daniel Cormier, John Jones, and now Anthony Smith. Um, I mean, how do you how do you keep fighting when you don't believe in yourself to be the champion? That's I mean, that's a good point. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, th I think that the thing with that, I mean, is, you know, not to take anything away from Anthony Smith, um, but the the weird, like, body lock throw that he attempted uh, that caused that scramble on the ground in which uh, Smith was able to, to, to take advantage of was similar to the Luke Rockhold-Chris Weidman fight where Weidman tried to throw that weird, like, wheel kick or what, whatever that mm -hmm. was, and then it completely shifted the momentum of the fight. I'm with you. I think, you know, Gustafson obviously took round one off. He didn't do anything. Two was a round towards Anthony Smith. Three was a Gustafson round. So, you know, relatively, you know, four wasn't exactly going Anthony Smith's way either. It would stand to reason that headed into round five, they were all even, which Gustafson with the clearly better gas tag, excuse me, would right. want to be. So it seemed like he was fighting his fight. It seemed like he was doing what he was doing. Um, I think what we have here, you know, to compare what's going on in the light heavyweight division to boxing, we have with a Cormier, John Jones, Gustafson style light heavyweight division, you have like a Marvin Hagler, Sugar Ray Leonard, Tommy Hitman Hearns style situation where all three of these guys are fighting against each other constantly trying to prove who's the baddest dude on the planet. And Gustafson is always the one that's coming out the bridesmaid, never the bride. 
Um, right. And, you know, he's, he's the Tommy Hearns in the, in this. And I, I mean, I get it. I get it. You, you know, uh, bidding adieu. Um, you know, if, if your goal and you're cut from the cloth where you actually want to be a champion and it's champion or bust, that's the right move to make because you don't have the pop to be a heavyweight. And as long as John Jones is in the light heavyweight division, you're not going to, you're not going to be a champion there. So unless you can make the cut, the middleweight, you might as well roll out. And I feel like he's probably made enough money. Uh, he is, you know, he's probably got enough national things going on in his, in his country that he can do well there, TV spots, you know, whatever the case may be and, and do just fine. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the USC brought him in to be like a director of European talent or something like that and paid him 200 grand a year to, uh, just watch promotional shows and bring guys on the, onto the, uh, the circuit there. So I don't know. I mean, hats off to him on a good career, but I'm with you. I think it was probably time. There's just nowhere else for him to go. What's he going to do? Fight Ozdemir next. You know what I mean? What, what are you going right. to do? So just roll out while you're, while you can, but let's get into UFC 238 taking place in Chicago this weekend on pay-per-view. We've got a couple fights on the main card guys that we are not super happy uh, with the odds as far as picking winners and losers. And in an effort to try to bring you as much value as possible, we want to wait until the over under on rounds and means of victory odds come out, which isn't going to be until Friday. Once those come out, those will be included on our Instagram post uh, that we put out every weekend that there's a fight. So follow us on Instagram now in preparation for that. If you don't already uh, just fistful of cash podcast on Instagram, follow us on there. So that way on Saturday, you can get the picks that we will be omitting from this show based on the fact that the odds aren't out. We're still going to touch on all the main event uh, cards or fights rather, but as far as making official plays, we're going to withhold that and put those out uh, on Saturday on the Instagram. Is that right? I want to make sure I got got that right, Sue. Yes. All yeah, right. That sounds about right. All right. So first fight I want to cover as far as betting odds that I'm actually happy about. Are, okay. Am I allowed to bet women's fights still or no? I'm still not allowed. It depends. Okay. Are we are we talking to Shevchenko Jessica I fight? No, we're I know we're not yeah, that's okay. no. <laughs> we're talking about the Alexa Grasso, Carolina Kolashevitz fight. Uh, okay. Alexa Grasso's been off for a year, but she's coming back as a minus one oh five to Carolina's minus one twenty five. I think Carolina's got to step out the uh, foot out the door. She's talked recently about um wanting to be a a mom <clears throat> soon. And her last two losses are getting beat up. Uh, pretty bad by uh, Michelle Watterson in the last women's fight that we bet on the show. And then prior to that was the um, the gunshot heard around the world when Jessica Andrade slept her with that overhand right, like only Jessica Andrade can do. Losing two out of her last three, taking on Alexa Grasso, who's well-rounded and young and hungry and coming off a year layoff, well-rested. Carolina just fought and lost to Michelle Watterson a little over two months ago. Um, I think it's too quick of a turnaround, man. Minus one hundred five. I'm thinking a a pretty decent sized play on Grasso here. What do you think? I don't know much about Alexa Grasso, but I agree with uh, Carolina having one foot out the door. Um, she looked extremely uninterested in that Michelle Waterson yes. fight. Like it just she. It was always like I'm just going to go out there and try and collect the paycheck kind of right. fight even even in her felice Herrick mm, fight that's right yeah i forgot about that one too i mean i think a questionable split decision for sure um yeah I, i'm i will take your word on it for alexa grasso here because i am not sold on carolina at all yeah i think so i mean that's just that's my lot my uh my take on it there's a lot of women fights on this card um, so, you know, we're going to, we're going to have to be jumping around here. So, uh, these, these are not going to go in chronological order the way we normally do guys. Uh, but this, here's a fight that you and I talked about earlier, Eddie Wineland versus Grigory Popov, uh, Popov sitting at 14 and two Wineland, the, uh, the favorite, not the favorite, but the, the grizzled veteran WEC up until now, 23, 13 and one for Eddie Wineland. Uh, as far as betting odds go, we're looking at Eddie Wineland coming in at minus 135. He's the favorite, and Popov sitting there at plus 
105. Not a lot to be said about Popov, but there's plenty of tape out there on Eddie Wineland. What do you think? Um, I, I know I said earlier that I liked Eddie Wineland. Um, but like, I don't, like, I, I don't know much about Popov. Right. So it's hard for it. When it comes to something like that, when I don't have, you know, knowledge about both right. fighters, I assume that the odds makers have it right. right. And with Wineland being the slight favorite, I'm guessing it's a little bit closer of a fight than I would have expected, but I'm still probably, I mean, I would still pick Eddie Wineland in this fight based off of, you know, just personally seeing him fight before and not knowing what Popov brings to the table. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I will say this is Popov is going to be there for the hitting. Um, He's definitely going to have a power advantage. Popov is, but he's going to, his gas tank and his, uh, his, um, his willingness to engage in a firefight, I think, is what's going to prove uh, to be his undoing here. Because, you know, while Eddie Wineland carries his hands fairly low, he does have good boxing. He's coming off two back, or he's coming off back to back unanimous decision losses. Wineland is uh, to John Dodson and Alejandro Perez. Um, you know, not quite a year since the last time we saw Eddie Wineland fight. So I'm hoping maybe he's healed up. And I'm with you. Whenever we, whenever you have a guy that you have a ton of tape on fighting a guy that there's almost no tape on, I would just assume that the odds makers are doing their job right. And uh, I like Eddie Wineland minus 135. I think at any time a guy has got 37 professional fights, and you can get him at a minus 135, I think that's I think there's there's considerable value there. Um, so here's a fight, man, and this is one of the ones I'm more torn on. Uh, Calvin Cutter taking on Ricardo Lamas. And I know that Cutter's burst on the scene here lately. And, you know, we both are a big fan of his style and we both like Ricardo Lamas. Cutter sitting at 19 and three and Ricardo Lamas at 19 and seven. Keep in mind, this is a hometown fight for Ricardo Lamas. And uh, the bully Ricardo Lamas is actually the underdog in this fight coming in at plus 135 versus Calvin Cutter's minus 165. What do you think? I kind of like Ricardo Lamas in this I fight. I do too. I think his experience against yeah. higher level competition is going to be the difference maker here. I think. I think his experience and his and his grappling and submission yeah. ability is really going to play a huge effect. Yep. Um, I, that's I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to lead with anything because I wanted to see where you stood with this. But I've got. I'm. I like yeah. the hometown fight. Um, you know, you're talking about in, in November. Remember, Ricardo Lamas finished Darren Elkins, like the unfinishable Darren Elkins. Uh, so. And that was that was in the third round, I think. So it's you know, Lamas's power carries late. Um, prior to that, lost a split decision to Mirsad Bekdik, which I thought he won that fight. Um, you know, I, I, dude, I I think just against up, upper level competition, um, you know, Ricardo Lamas gets it done. Here's here's a quick rundown of the last couple losses uh, that Ricardo Lamas has had. Just, just for people uninitiated, uh, lost to Jose Aldo by decision in 2014. So who's blaming him for that, right? So since 2014, mm-hmm. he's only lost to Jose Aldo, Chad Mendez, Max Holloway, and Josh Emmett, and the and the split decision to Mirsad Bektik. My bad, but dude, that's nothing to slouch at. So you're literally Max Holloway, Chad Mendez, <laughs> Jose Aldo, um, and Josh Emmett. You know who who just knocked out uh, Michael Johnson and a potential you know knockout of the year candidate. I mean, you know, I I think I think the experience is going to carry through here. I think that the uh, there is a steal to be had here, and I like Calvin Cutter. I just I don't I think this might be too much too soon for him as far as UFC level competition goes. So I think I think uh, getting Lamas here at a or at a plus one thirty five sorry is a is a good deal. What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm down with that dog play for sure. Um, yeah, I, I I think the experience will play a huge factor. It's if Lamas can keep his head yes. moving, because if he gets caught, I mean those dynamite sticks attached to the end of his head, yeah. end of his arms. 
for sure. So, but I just, I think if Ricardo Lamas can get his hands on him and take him down and, you know, wrestle him on the ground, I, I, I like his odds even to squeak out a decision just by control. I, th- I think I, th- I think the experience plays a huge factor. Yeah, I think the here. bully needs to be a bully in order to win this fight. Yes, if he can live up to his namesake. Uh, he'll he'll do exactly that. All right, so let's rifle off a couple more of these real quick. Aljamain Sterling, Pedro Munoz. Uh, Aljo is coming in minus one forty against Pedro, coming in at plus one ten. Pedro's last win coming in a knockout win against uh, the perennial chin soft Cody Garbrandt. And Aljo coming off a gigantic win. Oh gosh, who did? What was his last win over? I remember it being a big one. Um, help me here, Jimmy Rivera, who's fighting on this card as well. So yeah, yes. Jimmy Rivera, unanimous decision, thirty twenty sevens throughout. Looked fantastic, controlled the pace. Um, Jimmy Rivera has not looked the same since his loss to Marlon Moraes, who's the main event. But before we get to that, let's let's cover this. Aljo versus Pedro Munoz. I think Aljamain Sterling's wrestling is going to be the key to this fight, whether or not he's able to actually execute. And if he can execute the wrestling control, I think he wins this fight. What do you think? Oh, I mean, if anybody who's seen Aljo submit, uh, was it Cody Stan? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That knee, that knee bar, that human yeah. backpack knee bar. That was disgusting. Right. I mean, I'm pretty sure that was submission of the year. Actually, I think he won the the award for submission of the year. Um, but yeah, I I told you earlier I like Aljo in this fight. I see a lot of people giving Munoz love, um, but I th- like I, I we talked about Garbrandt, and I think that has a lot to do with his win over Garbrandt. But like I said, I Garbrandt is not the same dude. Ever since Dillashaw touched his face one time. He has not been the same guy. His, his, you know, air quotes, swagger that he carries, his, his confidence in himself is not there. So I'm not going to read into the Munoz over Garbrandt win too much. And I mean, yeah, I Aljo's got one five out of his last six. He beat Henan Burrell, um, Cody Stamen, Jimmy Rivera. Quality wins. I mean, obviously he got knocked out by the knee by Marlon Marais, but yeah, I, I like Aljo, and I I think you're getting good odds on yeah, him I, for I sure. Think I, I think it's a decent play. Like a minus a minus yeah. one thirty. I like that. A There's lot. a lot of value on this card. Um, yeah. So, all right, we'll take Aljo there. All right, let's get into the main card here. Uh, a fight that you and I have sort of ping pong back and forth off of each other. Ty Tuivasa versus Blagoy. Ivanov, Tuivasa, as far as I'm seeing, is sitting at a minus 150. Blagoy coming in at plus 120. What do you? Th- still leaning uh, pretty heavy towards Ty Tuivasa. What do you think? I'm, I think he's coming in motivated. Uh, okay. 100%. I mean, he's coming off his first loss. I definitely think we're going to see the Tuivasa when he first came into the UFC. Um, he said he was embarrassed. When he lost in Australia, um, made some lifestyle changes. It's just, I expect a heavy dose of Tuivasa's thunderous kicks. I mean, that dude's got absolute tree trunks for legs. Um, I I really, really, really like Tuivasa here at a minus 150. I want to see what Tuivasa by knockout comes at. Because I, th- I think that's going to be the result. Uh, that's that's where I'm leaning. Yeah, I, th- I mean, if you follow him on social media, um, he's a good follow because he talks a ton of shit. Um, so that's always fun. Uh, but he's also, you know, he looks leaner than I think I've ever seen him look. Um, and that's as lean as a as a you know a big, you know, <laughs> a big. Uh, I don't Samoans not it. What what? Uh, well sound culturally yeah just a bit yeah whatever mark hunt is uh aussie okay sure yeah we'll go with that that. i don't want to be insensitive but yeah that uh whatever that is uh not exactly known for being lean people and he looks lean he looks mean um i I think it's a good fight for him man uh he's fighting a guy with almost no movement so that the fact that he's not going to have to chase blog away around is going to be a big deal 
Um, you know, and Blagoy is coming in uh, off of a win against Ben Rothwell, which I, it was a fight I thought he'd lost against Ben Rothwell. And then prior to that, losing a unanimous decision, 50-45 against Junior Dos Santos, uh, which was Tuivasa's last fight. And Tuivasa suffered the same fate. But prior to that, you know, you're, you're looking at a guy that as far as wins go, uh, you know, Chow Alencar, Sean Jordan, Josh Copeland, Derek Maiman, these are not guys that you, you hear about a whole lot. And then when you get to a name that you do recognize again, and Alexander Volkov, he lost by submission. So, you know, I, I think Tuivas is the good play here. Blagoy is going to be there for the, for the hitting. I'd love to see if you could actually do it. The over under on how many times Anik talks about Blagoy being stabbed before. Um, he, I, Oh, hundred uh, percent. I think there was already an article on ESPN three today. times, at least three I think, times. I think how, I think Ariel oh Hawani actually wrote it on ESPN today um, about how Blagoy went from oh, facing geez. death in the eye to being a legit heavyweight no. champion contender. Was oh. I, I'm pretty sure that was the headline. And uh, yeah, I just got, come on. I, I get you need right. the, you need a storyline. Uh, let's not but, let's not. Let's not kid ourselves here. Yeah. Let's calm down. Like Plexico Burris. Yeah. Plexico Burris faced <laughs> death in the eye uh, after he dropped his pistol in his sweatpants and shot himself in the leg. Like, pump the, pump the brakes. No, we, okay. All right. Oh, so main of, let's, let's, uh, yeah, I'm trying to look at the rest of this. Jimmy Rivera, Petra Yawn. Uh, we're, we're both liking Yawn pretty heavy on that, but we're going to wait to see what the inside the distance or what inside the distance of the round play comes on Donald Cerrone, Tony Ferguson, man, I posted on our social media earlier and let me give you an up to date split on where the listeners stand. Hang on a second. I know when I <laughs> voted, my vote was not in favorite of the rest uh, of the voters. Let so. me see here. What sits at right now. It is sitting at 60 40 with going towards cowboy 60 40. Okay, we, we've gone up. We've gone up because when I voted, Tony Ferguson was at thirty-two percent. Um, I'm, you know, listen. I, I don't want to talk shit on our listeners, but sixty percent of you are wrong. So, <laughs> oh man, we're gonna wait and see what the over/under on rounds comes in at that, guys. Before we make an actual play on it, because uh, we're we're kind of split on. You and I are split on fighters here, so uh, we're, we'll wait. And uh, if you guys are really interested on the fighter play. Uh, and, and the logic behind it, shoot us a message on Instagram, but you know, Tony, I will say this, this has fight of the year contender written all over it. It has war and bloodbath written all over it. Um, I can see ways how Tony Ferguson wins this fight. I can see ways how Donald Cowboy Cerrone wins this fight. I really want to see what the rounds come in at. Um, I I mean, is that, is that a fair breakdown? I mean, what, what do you, what do you think here? Okay. No, I agree a hundred percent. Um, we've got, We've said this before, you know, that this is going to be a bloodbath. This is going to be an all-out war. And it's almost like when you feel that way, it's almost like a guarantee that it ends up being a snooze fest. I promise you guys, with these two guys fighting, there's no chance this is a snooze fest. There's no way Tony Ferguson doesn't – I mean, anybody who's seen Tony Ferguson fight knows it's going to be unorthodox. There's He might even cut himself <laughs> open with a wicked elbow. I mean, the, the dude's out of control, and Donald Cerrone's on fire. So yeah, I I really really am look. I mean, I'm looking forward to this fight. Obviously, more than any yeah. other fight on this card. Um, the main event's going to be good, but uh, yeah, this this is the fight dude, to Tony watch. Tony Ferguson on the card. looks like the dude that if if you have daughters that you dread, if she, like you'd never want your daughter to bring home a dude that looks like Tony Ferguson that wears sunglasses inside all the time probably still has one of the ball bearing necklaces mm-hmm. wears camo cargo shorts with like the strings hanging down the side wife beaters everywhere. I mean, dude, he just looks right. like the world's most, like he looks like the world's worst DJ. Like he looks like the, Oh man. Wakes up and, and brushes his teeth with uh, right. a monster yes. instead yeah, of like water. E- 
Yeah, he, looks, a, he looks like a Kyle. I'd say every piece of drywall like. in Tony Ferguson's house has a hole in it somewhere or has a patch. Uh, you know, you walk in Tony Ferguson's house and there's just pictures like some are knee height, some are, some are overhead height, some, some are shoulder height. They're all over the place. Oh, man. All right, main event. Um, Henry Cejudo, Marlon Marais. Cejudo, 14-2, and two, flyweight champ. Marlon Marais, 22-5-1. and one fighting for the vacant Bantamweight title since uh, TJ Dillashaw decided he wanted to inject every drug in the known universe into his body. Um, Cejudo moving up, man. He's fighting at the weight that most people thought he should be fighting at after a couple missed attempts at flyweight. Um, you know, this might this is probably the more natural fighting weight for him, but he's taking on an absolute killer in Marlon Marais, 22-5, and five, man. And the odds are pretty wild here. You know, I love me a good, uh, love me a good underdog. And I love me a Henry Cejudo fight. You know, I, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at, it, I'm looking at Marlon Marais minus 125 Cejudo minus 105. Should I, or should I not leverage the house on this fight? I don't like leveraging the house, but I like a so play on Marlon Marais so via TKO. I think I think Mighty or I can't said it again, Mighty Mouse. I think Cejudo is going to sleep. I mean, that's that's just a gut feeling I have, and I think it might come as early. There as the are not a round. lot of dudes out there that carry the type of power at bantamweight that Marlon Marais does, and he has, dude. He has been on a mission mm-hmm. since day one of getting in the UFC to be bantamweight champion of the world. Cejudo has already realized. That flyweight glory um, has already had that that feeling of that belt around him, and while his accolades, you know, precede him with with the Olympic medals and the, the all this other stuff, okay, that's great. I'm you know I'm the first one to jump on the the wrestler train, the first one to jump on the Henry Cejudo train. The guy has made us and our listeners a ton of money over the years. I think this is a legitimate super test for him. Um, you know, history would say bet against him until he loses. However, I think I'm, I'm with you here. I don't necessarily know, um, how Marais gets it done. I'd be really anxious to see what Marais inside the distance comes at. But until then, Marais at yeah. minus 125, I think is a great play. Um, Cejudo has not showcased his wrestling lately. Uh, he loves to, I mean, and especially after finishing TJ Dillashaw, do you really think that Henry Cejudo is going to come out and try to wrestle heavy Marlon Marais? I don't see it. I think he's going to come out there and try to trade with Marais, and if he does, he's going to sleep. Marlon Marais. And if he doesn't finish oh, him, yeah. he's going to get rocked and, and tapped out because, you know, Marlon Marais trains with Frankie Edgar. Uh, you know, what? who's that? Mark Henry, all those guys. Um, and he is – you know, wrestling wise, he's going to be prepared. His ground game super underrated, and he's got one punch knockout power. I mean, look at what he did to Jimmy Rivera. You know, he knocked Jimmy Rivera out with a head kick, and you know, it sounded like a baseball bat hitting his head. And then he put Aljamain Sterling in the, like the forever dab pose uh, by hitting him with that knee when Aljo was sneaking mm-hmm. in, you know, for takedowns. And if you think that Henry Cejudo hasn't watched that film a hundred times of Marais setting up that knee upon entry, uh, you're you're mistaken, you know. And Cejudo sees that, and he knows the power's there. I'm, I'm I think Marais is winning this fight, man. Minus one twenty five. I love that line, dude. Yeah, I'm. I also, I, mean, I know it's you can't go back, but I just I I wish Cejudo wouldn't have caught Dillashaw so early, because I would have liked Four. to have seen. Cejudo fights somebody with, with you know, the power that Dillashaw carries because then we would have a better feel for Marlon Marais because he carries a similar type of power. Point. He also fought Dillashaw, who was a shell of, a it's legit true. shell of himself. I mean, he looked like Jack off right. of The Nightmare Before Christmas. I mean, the dude's eyes yeah. were just a black pit. It's... I'm deaf. I'm Marlon Marais in this fight. I think by knockout, I do like um, waiting for the in, Marlon Marais inside the distance because, like you said, his ground game is super underrated. And if Cejudo tries to stand there and bang, he may not get slept, 
but he's going to get knocked down and Marais is going to jump on him like a fly on shit. And yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really like Marais All right, in this man. fight. Well, that's it. That's a lot. Uh, we covered a lot of fights more than we normally yep. do. Um, so, you know, we're, we're coming up on an hour here, so let's, uh, I'll give you, I'll give you the floor here. Let's talk about, uh, these, uh, these NFL odds, um, that came out today that, uh, actually, okay. Let's save it for next week. A little teaser. Cause we don't have, I don't think there's a UFC card next weekend. I think we're oh, off God, until the 22nd. If I'm not mistaken, I know there's a Bellator card yeah. next weekend, but I, I do not think there's, I think the next one's the, the fight night on the 22nd with Korean yeah. zombie and Moicano, yeah, which is going to be uh, in my neck of the woods. Yeah. We're off. So we're off till the 22nd. Yeah. Let's see if I can't get to that, that card, man, that'd be really nice. Um, real quick guys. Uh, Thursday night PFL can't find lines for it, but uh, Jordan Johnson is fighting uh, Maxime Griffin or whatever his name is. He's, he should run, just run rough shot through him. If, if odds come up for that, uh, we're going to be suggesting a play on that. And then I'm trying to think of what else comes in between that. Yeah, uh, we'll touch on the Rory McDonald uh, Gracie fight next week. And then we'll go through your NFL futures and we'll do that. Let's uh, let's wrap this thing up with uh, some stats breakdown from the last episode. And we'll go from there. Unless you got anything else that's pressing, man, that we missed in the sports world this year or this this week, rather. Tomorrow night, uh, so you guys will be listening, so it'll be tonight. Um, Golden State, Toronto, game three, tied up 1-1. They're back in the Bay. Um, Kevin Durant rolled out. Clay, questionable. This line has started at Golden State minus five, bet up to minus six. Now down to a minus four with Clay in question. If Clay is rolled out, this game could easily swing down to a minus one, maybe even a pick'em. Yes. I'm taking Golden State. I'm taking Steph Curry and Draymond Green, who I've I I played Draymond Green personally for finals MVP before it started. The dude's averaging a triple-double through two games. I know there's more games to be played. But if he can come out averaging a triple-double, Draymond has reinvented himself. The way he's playing right now is the way he should have been playing his entire career. Keep your mouth shut. Play hard-nodes defense. Rebound the ball and attack the rim. Steph shooting great. I don't see Golden State dropping the first game back in the Bay, man. I really don't. It's tough for me to – I think this goes six games, and I would love to see Golden State win it in six at the last game at the Oracle. That would be like storybook ending. It would be fantastic. So Golden State, I'm looking at Golden State money line. Depending on what the line moves, we'll make a post on Instagram. Um, And I like the Bruins in game five against the Blues. Uh, minus one fifty at home. All right. So that series yeah, is tied two yeah. two, a lot closer than I expected. I thought Boston would win that, and probably you know I thought they'd win it in maybe five games, but nope. Looking like a possible seven game series, which yeah, I'm all sure. about for Stanley Cup Finals. All right, man. Here we go. Top countries: U.S. holding it down as always. Canada, U.K., Australia, Hungary, Germany, Ireland, Malaysia, Spain, and Sweden rounding out the top ten. And then top 10 cities, man, here, this has never happened before. So normally we get, um, you know, we get metrics on every download that we get for the show. I can tell where you listen to it from and what you listen to it on. Uh, I just can't connect the two pieces of information together. However, uh, it usually tells us where you listen to it at. And for the first time ever, dude, unknown is listed for top cities, right? That's never that's happened scary. before. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Who could, that's, who and, could and it be? We have enough downloads there to put it as the top. The, the, so the top download like region is unknown. Uh, second place, London, yeah. then San Diego, California, Victoria, British Columbia, Ashburn, Virginia, 
Charleston, South Carolina, Honolulu, Hawaii, Anaheim, California, New Haven, Connecticut, and then Falls Church, Virginia. A whole bunch of new ones there. Very, very yeah. strange. That's weird. So followed by the unknowns, which I that that's the one that throws me off. I don't get it. Show show yourself. Yeah, no, I see you are. To this, man. Can't, can't. Yeah. I'll hit him with the Liam Neeson. I have a very special set of skills. Tell me how you listen to this show <laughs> and where you listen to it from. All right, man, that's it. Let's, let's wrap this thing up. Appreciate you guys. Follow us on social media. If you don't already do so, take advantage of our show sponsor, stay classy meats, use promo code fist for 10% off your entire orders, direct ranch to table meat. Uh, and then if you have any CBD needs or hemp oil needs, go to savinggraceoil.com. Use promo code cash 20, get 20% off your entire order. The finest CBD and hemp products on the market. I don't give a crap what these other people are peddling. Saving Grace is legit. You use it on your bummy ass ankles. I use it on my bummy ass knees. And uh, it makes, you know, it, it makes walking around tolerable, man. Uh, that's about it. And uh, thanks to Alpha Outpost, as always. Got this uh, super sweet fishing rod that they sent and we need to take pictures up and put it on our instagram like now that's a thing that needs to happen yes yeah um, that's it talk to you guys on social media this weekend see you um i want to apologize to our sweden listeners women's world cup starts this week and on june 11th they play chile and i have a play you hear ready for this guys 25 to 1 that chile beats sweden Oh, that's right. They'll get in on it. As always. Yes. Oh, no, no. Women's World Cup. Yeah. yeah United sure. States. What are the... Bringing home another one. It's happening. Are they? Like to win I mean, the whole huge, thing? They're the huge favorites? favorites. Uh, yeah. Like a plus 150 plus out of the entire field. Um, I feel like that's a... Yeah. And that's, I feel like... For the entire field. That's a poundable that's, play there. But that's a big... Let's see here. Let me make sure. Uh, Women's World Cup to win USA or plus two hundred. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. France is no joke. Germany's good. England. Um, Canada. Canada plus sixteen hundred. They gave the U.S. a hell of a run in the Olympics. So that's somebody to look out for. But yes, I fully expect the U.S. to win this. I will be tuning in to pretty much every soccer match. Um, we'll be throwing up plays periodically. Okay. It makes my work day well, go a lot faster. Then, before so, any of that happening, yeah, I'm I myself because you know we always talk about what we're going to play. I'm throwing five units on the U.S. to win the whole entire thing. My dumbness, I forgot that that was happening. Anytime that the U.S. competes in interna- international competition with anything, um, my inner American flag starts just waving. You know, uh, almost uncontrollably proud. I cannot help myself, uh, whether it be Olympics, World Cup, doesn't matter. USA is competing against the world in something. I'm USA all day, throwing five units on the US at plus 200. Absolutely, I'm crushing that. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'm with you. And on that note, I will leave you guys with this. As always, guys, clear eyes. Back to back World War Champs, baby.